Welcome to Chew Inspire TV show. I'm your host, Dennis Postma. And today I have a special guest, Brandon Wise. Brandon is a backpacker from Ohio. He went to Ohio State University and double majored in finance and in history. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's talk about this. How did you come upon backpacking and, and decide to do that after going to college and whatnot in 2021? Yeah, so before 2018, I never really backpacked, camped or anything like that. And then there was this program at Ohio State called the STEP program. Basically, uh, you go to a meeting once a week and then you write a paper and they give you $2,000 to do some sort of a transformational experience to the university. So I did that. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with the money. And then I got this email about um, a trip that they offered. Allegedly, it was the hardest experience that OSU offered. And I was like, mm, that sounds interesting. And then just read more about it. It was like a month long backpacking trip in the high Sierra and just fell in love with it out there. Uh, first ever trip, which is absolutely crazy because that's also probably like the most remote part in the United States, uh, the lower 48 at least, and just absolutely loved that area and fell in love with backpacking. And then after that, kind of was getting more into like the through hiking mindset of like doing one of the long trails and kind of eventually like set my mind to doing like three long trails. I was going to do them one each summer, kind of like a more normal person would do. That's a much more reasonable undertaking. Right. Um, still difficult, but a little more reasonable to do, try to do each trail in five to six months rather than uh, squeeze them all in, in one year. Um, so I was planning on doing the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail um, in 2020, but had to cancel it because of the pandemic. So then, you know, like everybody else in quarantine had way too much time to think. So, you know, I started to have this idea, well, what if I do two of them in one year and then I can do the third one the year after that. And then I still only like taking two years off of my career so I could still squeeze that into the two-year time, the two-year time frame that I was hoping for. And that was my plan for about an hour, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, if I'm already doing two of them, I might as well throw the third one on there." And then, like, started to do a little bit more research into it. Found like it, a couple people, like ten people, had done it before, so it wasn't impossible. And then basically, it just became an obsession after that. So is that is that what encouraged you to do the, to do the, the the third one in the same calendar year where you're like you know what if ten, only ten people have done it I might as well if I'm already taking two I might as well take that extra step and be like one of the elite and just go for it pretty much it really started out as like a time efficiency thing like you know trying to save time do them all in one year then after that like it did the idea of the challenge and then like the challenge I just became obsessed with the idea of trying to become one of the the few people that had done it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so, like with backpacking, when it comes to backpacking, I think like backpacking in Europe, I don't have a lot of experience. So I was so excited to interview and like just hear more about it anyway, because um, it just sounds like I, I know it's great for the mind. But what do you think as far as was it more physically or mentally challenging ta taxing like a, a hike for 30 days or for 30 miles every day through the mountains? What like what, what was worse? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a it's definitely a tough question. I feel like most people probably say it's like 90% mental, but I'm not sure if I'd go that high. Um, just because like the physical aspect, like cannot be, cannot be overlooked. It was so crazy. Like how, what I put my body through. So I'd say it was probably 50, 50, but at the same time, they were so intertwined. It, it was almost as if they were one and the same because, you know, if my body was hurting, that's all I would think about all day. And right. then it'd become like the, the, the mental game also of like, okay, my, my I have athlete's foot right now, every single step I'm taking feels like I'm stepping in shards of glass. I could do 20 miles today, but then how much more that messed me up for the next week. Whereas if I take a rest day, that'll help me recover a little bit, but then that's, I know I should still be covering miles. So it was a constant battle of trying to, trying to do as much as possible, but also trying to sustain myself to be able to finish the whole year. Wow. And what, what is the average? So what, what is, I, I guess, if there is such a thing, what is a normal day 
as far as miles that most people will try to accomplish when they do like a, a single backpack hike. Mm -hmm. I, I can't say exactly because I haven't really haven't done a normal one yet. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think most people probably start out in the five to 10 mile a day range and then work okay. up to probably 18 to 20 um, most of the time, probably. Wow. That's fine. So tell us going through that and looking back through your experience, tell us a little bit about your worst day that you had on when you were hiking. Yeah, there were there were definitely a few contenders, but the worst <laughs> one was definitely my second night in New Mexico. Um, so this is right after I coming off coming off the Appalachian Trail in winter. I was so happy to head south and get to some warmer weather, and you know, some the desert where it's going to be dry. You know, it's not supposed to rain, not supposed to snow, anything like that. Um, so I start I had to start out that trail without it. So I had my tent, but it needed trekking poles, like hiking poles, to set it up. Okay. But Amazon was late in delivering them. So I had to start the trail without those. So it was impossible to set up my tent for the first couple of days on trail. But I looked at the weather, you know, 0% chance of rain every day. It's New Mexico. It's gonna be fine. It's the desert. It doesn't rain. And then of course, the second night on trail, uh, it gets to be like 630. I start to see a bunch of clouds rolling in. And I don't like the look of it. So I get all my rain gear out, I get everything set up. And uh, I hike till like 830 or nine, it still hasn't rained yet. But I uh, get ready to go to go to bed for the night. So I'm um, just cowboy camping under the stars. So I just lay out all my stuff on the ground. And as soon as my head hits the pillow, I feel a rain drop on my forehead. Okay, I guess I guess we're doing this. So <laughs> I pack up all my stuff, get hiking again. So at least it's in my backpack where it has a rain cover on it. So it's everything's just not going to get soaked. Right. So I start hiking. And meanwhile, um, I was already like in bed. So I forgot to put on my pants. So I was hiking in just my underwear for the next <laughs> like hour and a half. So I had to hike another 90 minutes um, in the pouring rain. And it was also like 40 mile per hour wind. So I was freezing cold. And just like yelling, like just like pleading with God, pleading with the sky to please stop. And it, after 90 minutes of that, it finally it did stop again. So I set up camp again, found this little um, like wash where uh, both sides were covered so I could get some protection from the wind. So I set up camp there. Uh, same thing, laid everything out again, headed my pillow, headed the pillow. Within five minutes, it started raining. But I was like, nope, I'm not doing this again. I, I'm, I was so dead tired. That was like a 30 mile day. And I was still getting used to that desert terrain. So I was like, I was so tired. I, I can't get up and move again. It's the desert. It's not going to rain that long. And then, so I took out my tent and just laid it over top of me. And then it proceeded to rain for the next six hours. And I just felt every single raindrop just hit my body. And it was so cold. I'm honestly a little bit surprised I didn't get hypothermia because it was only like 36 degrees and super windy. And I was soaking wet. Oh my gosh. So what, so, and you're not getting any rest, right? Cause you probably Absolutely. didn't sleep at yeah. all that rain hitting you so did you even feel any recovery the next day after that no i i had to wait to get moving the next morning till like nine because the sun came out warmed up a little bit so i felt a little bit better but like i was just still obviously i slept like maybe five minutes so i was so groggy and i limped like seven miles to the nearest road and then fortunately the guy that dropped me off to start that trail um lived on that road like 12 miles um east so he's like if you need any help um just come come back here i'll help you out so uh, i was, i got really lucky that he was around so i, I got um uh, i started walking down um towards his house and actually he was coming back from getting groceries so he, he uh he picked me up and i went to his house got everything dried out but yeah, but yeah it was just all i could think about at that moment was just all i wanted to do was get dry because everything was so wet and so cold yeah because i mean what's really i mean what's protocol for that like how many i mean you probably don't have a ton of clothes because you're trying to fit as much in the backpack right mm -hmm. so when your stuff's soaked it's probably that's a nightmare right yeah you really can't do anything i mean obviously the best scenario is get into a town um find a find a dryer or something but even if i did that the whole year 
at least in the summer months, all I was carrying was the clothes on my body. So even if I, even when I went into town, I couldn't do laundry because I didn't have anything to wear while I would have been doing laundry. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you could throw a towel or <laughs> something yeah. around you while it's drying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's well, that's pretty. OK, well, knowing that, tell me a little bit about what your best day was like in comparison. Mm. It's funny because like some of my like looking back now, some of my favorite memories are also like just terribly bad days, but they're just fun to look back on. Um, but I will say probably my favorite one was up in Montana, uh, the scapegoat wilderness. It uh, so the the days before this, it I was like pretty unhappy. The uh, the terrain was all like the whole area was burnt. Uh, the whole days were was, was all day walking in burnt valleys. There's overgrowth everywhere. Um, there really was it was hard to follow the trail just because there was so much undergrowth that was recovering from the burnt forest. There was like hardly hard to tell where the trail was. So I was just really upset for a few days, and then finally got to this area that was just like a ridge walk for 30 or 40 miles straight and just on both sides of me I could see um I don't know 20 30 miles away which is also um rare because basically the whole time I was in Montana uh the whole Montana Idaho border was on fire so the smoke from that was like the the, the skies were hazy all the time this one this day was actually clear and I, it's it's hard to put into words why it was so great but it's just I, I just found myself like smiling all day just out of nowhere because I was so happy the little things that you appreciate like being able to find the trail and be able to see where you're going for a little yeah. ways you know that's that's good that's a humbling experience i'm sure what so do they have markers or anything like that or is it just you just going for the trail or how, so how depends, often are those? yeah it depends a lot on the trails like the appalachian trail it'd be about impossible to get lost it's so well maintained and taken care of it's, it'd be impossible well, that, that being said, I did get lost in winter because everything was covered in snow. Sure. Um, that was a whole other thing. But uh, the Pacific Crest Trail, it's also very well maintained. Um, there's a few remote areas where it's kind of hard to tell, but it's still not that bad for the most part. Um, the Continental Divide Trail is a whole other beast. That, um, that thing is still super rugged. It's, uh, it's not real, real, real well taken care of just because it doesn't have the infrastructure around it yet. So it's still pretty rugged, pretty hard to tell where you're going a lot of the times, but that kind of just adds a, to the fun a little bit. Wow. So what, walk me through like what it takes, because we also do a motivational show. So walk me through what it takes mentally on those days. I, I know the day with the rain and whatnot. Walk me through what that takes. Do you read proper books or what? what is it? That, like, because I think of like my, my worst surgery, right? I, I think of going back and just being like, giving myself pep talks and motivational speeches and like, you know, day 16 in the hospital talking to myself, what, what allowed you to dig deep and what did you rely on in those moments? Yeah. It's funny. Like when some, when somebody is completely focused on one thing and that's all they think about, it's crazy how much we're capable of this whole year. My only thought was to finish all these three, these three trails in this one year. So like that thought never wavered. I didn't even think about, like the thought of quitting never crossed my mind until I was in Oregon. And one of my friends texted me just like randomly, like, Hey, have you, have you ever thought about quitting so far this year? And I was like, now that you mention it, no, I haven't. <laughs> even though there was like so many awful days where the thought of like quitting or giving up never even crossed my mind for me. So when I started out my first day was probably this, my like scariest or I don't know, most insecure day, I guess I would say. Cause I was, all I was thinking about was, Oh my gosh, I have 8,000 miles to go this year. How the hell am I going to do this? What did I get myself into? Right. I'm going to tell all these people I failed. I, I, what, what am I doing? But then after that first day, I started, I just broke it down into two or three day stretches. Just get to this next point. Just get to this next town. Um, get to this next food resupply. And then as long as I kept it in those short increments and just basically stayed focused on my goal for the year. I don't know. I just, 
I never even really had to think about like trying to draw deep because it was just like it was my I don't know my drive was always there like it never even never even thought like the thought of like slowing down or stopping taking rest days I don't know it didn't really cross my mind too much that's awesome that's awesome I I love that because I think that you know every journey starts with a single step that's that's so uh you know it's cliche but it, it's so true with you know I think of that every time like I'm shoveling snow or every time I'm cleaning you know don't you know don't look at the end think about okay if I do this amount this amount like you said two to three days that's that's awesome so how like what kind of animals did you have any animal encounters and what oh yeah quite a few um basically I think I've, I've I saw about every animal in North America or at least in the U.S. that I could think of other than maybe like a pronghorn, an armadillo, and a scorpion. Other than those, I saw like everything. I saw about 10 black bears, one grizzly bear, uh, one mountain lion. That was after dark, so that wasn't very fun. Uh, um, one wolf, uh, about eight or 10 moose, and then like tons of marmots, tons of elk, tons of antelope, and just like, I don't know, so much, so many cool animals. And even found like, discovered a couple new ones that I didn't know existed, like a Cotamundi, which is kind of like a raccoon looking uh, desert like a desert raccoon kind of i don't just very like cool animals i didn't even know existed before wow so what what was your scariest moment and were you ever like afraid for your life or i mean um, mountain lion at night probably wasn't that fun like yeah you said, but. so I, I would say i was i scared i was feared for my life twice but it wasn't the mountain lion but the mountain lion was very scary because like when i saw it, it was in a pretty narrow canyon probably only like 50 yards wide and it was after dark and i saw like first i just saw this pair of eyes like 30 yards away and then, like, as my eyes adjusted a little bit more, I saw, like, a slender body, and I realized it was a mountain lion. I was like, uh-oh, okay, here we go. And then like, we just stared at each other for, like, five seconds before it just, like, took off in a split second, and it was so fast. But then for the next three hours, I was just looking behind me every 30 seconds to make sure I wasn't being followed. Um, so that one was kind of scary, but I actually feared for my life twice. The first one was in New Mexico. Um, and both times were just me being stupid. The first time, um, so I was supposed to go up, uh, climb up this mesa which is basically kind of like a short flat mountain and okay. i didn't realize it till after i had walked along it for like a quarter or half mile and i was still at the bottom and i realized i was supposed to be at the top and i was like eh, i don't want to go backwards i'll just climb the side of this thing real quick so i climb up like 200 feet in the air and i'm at the very top and i just to pull myself up that last little bit last little stretch i grab onto this big rock to pull myself up and as i'm like pulling myself up on top of it the rock separates from the dirt and starts to fall so instantly I start to like lean backwards and like my momentum, my momentum's carrying me backwards. And I'm like, Oh, this is not good. This is not good. But then like, I managed to like regain my balance and this is all happening like a half second time frame. But then after I regain my balance, all I can think of is the rock is going to fall like right immediately on my foot. So, but I also can't move my foot because I'm so unstable. If I did that, I probably would have fallen backwards. So I just like close my eyes, grip my teeth. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to break my foot. This is going to break my foot. But then, like, I hear it, like, hit another big rock. It couldn't have been more than two inches to the right of my foot and just let out, like, a huge sigh of relief. And then took about 10 minutes to move up that last four feet uh, after that. I'll bet, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be terrifying. How high up were you when that happened? That was probably, like, 200 feet in the air. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would that would definitely do it. You're, you're like, broken foot or, or the alternative, alternative is not good. So Yeah. yeah and, I mean, also – the desert new mexico hardly anybody's out there and i was out there super early for the cdt so no other hikers really out there yet either um at least not many so i don't even know when somebody would have came so good thing uh good thing that turned out well yeah somebody was looking out for you that's for sure yeah. <laughs> so um so tell me any other scary stories that you want to talk about 
Uh, yeah, there's one more. Um, this was definitely the most scared I've been in my entire life uh, in Wyoming in the Wind River Range, which is also probably like either tied or either tied from top, the, my favorite or my second favorite uh, place in the U.S. after the High Sierra. The Wind River Range was just amazing and really not that popular, which is um, incredible for how beautiful, how beautiful it is. Um, but in there, I took an alternate route off of the Continental Divide Trail to go, um, go to a high mountain pass and just get some beautiful views over some alpine lakes. So I made my way to the top of it, whatever, all fine. And then I uh, read some comments from some other hikers that say, if you cut across, cut across the glacier, it'll save you a mile or two. So I'm look, looking around in front of me. I see like this flat basin in front of me and then like a big glacier off to my right. And I was like, okay, they can't be talking about the basin. That would be way too common sense. Everybody would do that. They must mean I have to follow up this ridge a little bit and then I'll get on top of the glacier and see where I'm supposed to go. So I start riding the ridge up the, after the mountain pass. And then I get to this point where there's like two 70 degree avalanche shoots and then like a big, uh, like a big view obstructing rock on the other side. So I'm like, okay, once I get to that rock, I'll be able to tell where I'm supposed to go. So I get like vertically on all fours, like a cat and I'm trying to navigate across these two avalanche shoots, which are just like super loose dirt. Every time I move a hand or foot, it's sliding down like four feet. And I'm just like sweating bullets, just wondering like if I'm about to fall off the side of this mountain. So finally, I make it across those two things after like, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes to move 30 feet. And then I get on top of this big rock and my heart sinks to the bottom of my stomach. I realize this is not the right way to go. There's just two more 70 degree avalanche shoots and then a vertical wall of ice. So I'm like, okay, well, it's too late to turn back now. So I'll get, I'll get across these avalanche shoots and I'll figure out what I'm supposed to do. So same thing as the, the two before, like sliding down four feet every time I move a hand or a foot. It's really scared the whole time. Um, also, I have like a 40-pound backpack on during all this too, so that doesn't help either. And then I get across the two avalanche shoots, and then there's this kind of big rock sticking out of the side of the mountain. And then there's like a four-foot gap of just like vertical loose dirt that would be impossible to stand on. And then a little pile of rocks kind of lining the vertical wall of ice. So I'm like, okay, if I hang from this rock, I'll be able to reach my feet over to those pile of rocks and I'll be able to make my way down. Um, that was not a good idea. So I like MacGyver my way down to hang off this rock. I'm like dangling, dangling just by my two hands, hanging on this rock with a 600 foot drop straight below. And I realized my feet aren't going to reach the pile of rocks. And I'm just like, <laughs> just like wondering what mode of my life brought me to this point? How did I get here? This is so stupid. And after like yelling at myself for a little bit, I pull myself back up on top of the rock using like all the upper body strength I had left. And then I get back up there, but still realize there's nowhere to go. So I lay down on my stomach, uh, basically like vertically on the loose dirt and then started to slide down the mountain. And, you know, at first, you know, going pretty slow, it's kind of, you know, you're not too worried. I started to like really pick up speed and I couldn't grab, I wasn't having any luck grabbing any, any rocks on the side or anything. So like, it was just getting to the point where I was actually really worried about how fast I was going. Then I like lunged out one last time and grabbed a, a rock sticking out of the side of the mountain, like in an action movie um, <laughs> and pulled myself up on that. And then I pull myself up, I take a seat and I'm like, okay. I'm here, but there's still nowhere to go now. So I just, I gave up pretty much at that point. I just uh, sat down on my butt on the dirt and then started sliding down the mountain. And it was pretty steep. I don't know how steep it was, but I slid down probably 400 feet. And like, again, same thing, started out really slow in the beginning, wasn't too worried and started to really pick up, pick up speed and basically caused a massive rock slide. As I was sliding down the mountain, there were like mass, like huge rocks flying by my head, flying all around me, hitting me in the back. And I try to like put my hands down or slow me down or like hit, make my butt like slow me down too on the ground. All I did was cut, make my hands bleed and cut up my butt and tear my shorts. And 
I was bleeding a lot, but finally I did um, get lucky and stop sliding down the mountain. But that was like just so, so terrifying. That was the most scared I've been in my entire life by far. And you, are you, you're hitting these, are you hitting these rocks? Are they hitting your butt? Like as you're sliding down? Thankfully that was like all dirt. At least. Okay. None, none that I remember. At least I was also like so fast. It's, it's yeah, hard to remember. Sure. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, you didn't record it or anything as you're sliding down. No. Or, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any type of tools to like, I mean, is there anything that you can even use or is it just all, all grit when you're just going? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if, if, uh, so the so it was basically summertime then, so I didn't bring an ice axe. So basically, if there was a lot of snow or ice, I would have bring I would have brought an ice axe to use in a scenario like that, sliding down the mountain. Um, but I didn't have one on me at the time. But yeah, in that in that scenario, that's definitely what you would want. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, that sounds like scary, and it's amazing how much strength you have. I'm sure dangling over 600 feet. Yeah, it's uh, I, looking back now, I don't know how I how I pulled myself back up, and I I don't know. It's just. Uh, it's it's, bad. it's scary to think about. <laughs> in the, in that situation, you find a way, right? Absolutely. So tell me what it what was your what was your training like for our for our viewers? What was your training like? Just getting involved. In, I mean, how did you figure out how to train for this? How did you train for it personally? Mm -hmm. So there's I have two I have two opposite uh, mindsets about this. The first one is that this is such a ridiculous endeavor. Training doesn't matter. But also the second one is that. I think I was only successful because my, because I got myself ready beforehand. So on that first point, like there's nothing you can possibly do to prepare yourself to walk 30 miles a day for a year, just that re repetition. There's nothing you could possibly do. Um, but I did want to be as prepared as I possibly could. Sure. So like before I set out to do this, I was basically just like a meathead, um, just lifting all the time. Didn't really do much cardio. Um, then basically cut back on my lifting to like four or five days a week and started running six, seven days a week. And within like a month or two, I think I was running like 40, um, 40 miles a week. Then after a couple months, 60 miles a week. Um, and then I kind of set like monthly goals. So I wanted to do back to back 20 mile days then back to back 25 mile days, and then a 40 mile day. And then uh, four 20 mile days in a row. I think those are all my monthly goals. And then just to make sure I was kind of staying on track for my training. Yeah. Um, but also the fun part about Ohio is you really can't train for out, like elevation gain at all. So like I literally, I was just running on flat roads, which really doesn't transfer well to the mountains. Um, right. We live somewhere where there's more hills. That would definitely be more of a benefit. Um, just focused a lot more on leg workouts and then um, did ab workouts seven days a week. And then also I think a really beneficial thing I did was um, I started to do ankle exercises. Like anytime I was just watching TV or sitting around, uh, I would do ankle exercises like, I don't know, six, seven times a day just to build up my ankle strength because I can't, I couldn't even tell you how many times I rolled my ankle during the year, but it like, I would roll it and I'd be like, Hmm, that's kind of funny. Cause like, it didn't hurt at all. I was like, I know that's supposed to hurt, but it didn't hurt. Cause my ankles are so strong. That's um, smart to think about that. I would have never even thought, yeah, that's very smart. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Other than, Oh, also, um, I would like barefoot run or walk a few miles every week, just to toughen up, um, the bottoms of my feet. Um, but yeah, pretty much just a lot of running, um, kind of still lifting, but focusing more on the legs and abs than I normally, normally did. Appreciate those pull-ups when you're on that. 600 foot endeavor yeah, right that's definitely helped <laughs> yeah that's it so what how long how long was the training for how long did you train for before you before you actually started yeah so i mean i was already in pretty good shape um just because i don't know i've been working out for 10 years now so i was already in pretty good shape but like when i actually like put my mind to this and started my specific training for it was uh april so april through december wow wow that's awesome and what kind of diet were you on throughout this whole thing yeah, so it's definitely not the healthiest. Um, basically, you just want to take food that's not going to go bad and that's high in calories. So 
honestly, the, my, my biggest base was probably just like candy and cookies. I, I, I would go through a pack of Oreos every day or two days maybe. And then I had about 2000 calories of peanut butter every day. Um, just cause protein is so hard to get, even though peanut butter is not a great source of protein, it's just such easy calories and it does have a little bit of protein. So I liked it for that. My only real main source of protein was um, tuna packets. I had about two or three of those every day. Uh, even though I hate tuna, it's disgusting, but it's just like that. And like the uh, chicken packets are really the only thing you can bring out there to easily get, um, get protein. But other than that, uh, a lot of cliff bars, a lot of just like bars, which I don't, I don't want to see another one for the rest of my life. I'm so sick and tired of them. And then I didn't bring a stove, um, which a lot, most hikers bring a stove to cook food, you know, like ramen noodles, something like that. But I didn't have, I didn't want to take the time to do that. Um, just cause I had so many miles to cover each day. So I just did this thing called cold soaking, which, um, it's, it's not the best, but it's edible. So if you take like an old peanut butter jar, or just some kind of a jar, um, throw ramen noodles or rice in there or something, and just put a little, like put, I don't know, a little bit of water in there and let it soak for a couple hours. Uh, it softens it up enough where it's edible. It's not good, but it's edible and it's something different. So that's also a pretty easy way to get calories without have, having to do too much work. How many, how many, so first of all, when you talk about like the, the protein bars and all that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm older. So like when I remember back in the nineties, when I had my first Metrex bar and it was like cardboard. So I can't imagine just surviving off of it. You know, uh, that's, that's the first thought that comes to my mind. How, what's your calorie intake like compared to how many calories you're burning out, out there? Do you know? Yeah. So I was planning on eating 6,000 calories every day that ended up being, I don't know, too, too hard to do with my, my time frame, And so I honestly, after the, so I'd say my hunger built up like the first three months. And after that, it kind of just plateaued and I really wasn't ever hungry, but I knew I needed to eat all the time. So I probably averaged 5,000 calories a day. Um, how many I was burning, it was definitely more than that. Cause I was down at my worst, I was down 43 pounds on the year. And then after that, I got really scared and started like kind of changing the way I carried my food. Um, I started carrying less food out and then just binge eating more while I was in towns. And then I got back up to 185. So I was I like my, where I hovered around most of the year, I was down 30 pounds from when I left. Um, my worst was down 42 pounds, which was scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Again, that I lost weight the wrong way when I, when I had some health issues and that that's a scary way of losing it. It's not a lot different than when you're doing it, when you're lifting or you're doing cardio. It's yeah, absolutely. Not, it's not, it's not one of the, everybody's always like, Oh, that's a great way to do it. No, it, nope. it's freaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it. So what, what did you feel like when you finished? It's funny because like, so there were so many different finish points throughout the year because, you know, I had three different trails. And then also um, I, I only hiked the Pacific Crest Trail all the way through. Um, I had to split up the Appalachian Trail because when I got up to Vermont in winter, it was just the snow was still ridiculous. I had to, so I had to switch to a different one and come back and finish that later. So there were so many different finish points that I don't know if it diminished them, but they all felt weird. They all didn't feel like I thought they would. So like when I finished at my first finish was at the Canadian border of the Pacific Crest Trail. I got there and like, I was happy to be there. Cause you know, I, I'd been thinking about that day for months, but it wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't the all encompassing feeling I thought it would be. Cause sure. like when we got there, my first thought was, okay, now we got to walk 30 miles backwards. I got to get on the CDT in a few days. I got to keep my schedule going. Like that was my first thought. It wasn't even like joy, I, it, which was weird. Also, a short victory. <laughs> exactly. And also, it was even a shorter victory because I turned on my sat phone and then uh, the guy that was supposed to pick us up told us they closed the road 30 miles back because of a fire. So we actually had to like do like an extra 20 miles to get back to civilization. But that was a whole other thing. Um, but then when I actually finished everything at the Appalachian Trail on the Appalachian Trail in Vermont, it was uh, 
it was actually kind of a perfect ending. So when I got back to the point where I flipped off of the Appalachian Trail in um, March, I actually did an extra 50, because it was just a random road crossing, which I thought would be kind of a boring ending. So I did an extra 50 miles to end on top of a mountain, a Stratton Mountain in Vermont, which I thought, you know, there's a cool fire tower there. It'll be like a cool, it'll be a cool ending for the year. And then I got there and it was raining. Visibility was about 10 feet. And it was like the perfect end of the Appalachian Trail. And like I, when I got there, it still wasn't that euphoric feeling I was expecting. But I, I was satisfied. But at the same time, my mind was just running again because by that point, I had decided that I was going to try to go for 10,000 miles hiked in the year, which didn't end up happening. But my mind was already racing to, okay, I need to get to Arizona in a couple of days. I need to start this next trail. I need to get the next thing going. I need to stay on track. So I might, my, all the time, my mind was just running on what was the next step? What was the next thing I needed to think about, focus on? So there wasn't really a, uh, I don't know, an absolute victory feeling um, that, I, that I expected. But even like coming home now, it still doesn't feel real. Like it still seems like so crazy that I did that all last year. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and so, so what, what is next for horsepower? What is next for Brandon? Yeah. The trail name horsepower. I love it. Mm -hmm. So what, what's next for Brandon? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to talk about this even more? This is so exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm working on a book right now. Um, hopefully have the first draft finished um, in a week or two. And then I don't know, I, I, I'll be leaving in a couple months again to basically hike the summer months, a lot less, a lot less miles this year, a lot more reasonable pace, but basically I'll be hiking again these summer months. Um, a little bit all over, a little bit in the southeast, a little bit in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but then coming back home, probably after September, October-ish, and then hoping to get the book published and done by the end of the year. But yeah, that's the plan. Tremendous, tremendous. So how does everybody get a hold of you now if they want to follow you and see what you're doing? Yeah, so the best way would probably just be on Instagram. That's really the only thing I use. Um, that's just going to be at natural horsepower. And um, yeah, that's about it for right now. Well, that's, hey, that's the best way to do it. So we mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on the show. It's such an experience. Um, I'm excited. We're going to have to do this again after, you know, once a year at least to at least check in and see what's going on because this is such a good workout, such a good different uh, approach that we've never done or never talked about. So thank you so much for being on the show and I look forward to talking to you more. Yeah, thank you. Sounds good to me. All right. Thank you, Brandon. Yep.